Hello, Heart and Soul listeners. I'm Pastor Greg Lundstedt, and I'm so glad that I can share my series from Equipping the Saints with you. I pray that God will grow each and every one of you in Christ through this series. But there's something that restrains that right now, and we're going to see that. And because of that restraint, you Thessalonians cannot be in this horrible time. Because there's something holding that event and that person back. So he says, let no one deceive you, for it, the day of the Lord, will not come, back in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, and thus the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. And notice what we saw last time. Who opposes, verse 4, and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. At this time... You've got the apostasy. You've got everyone who's turned, and they don't claim to follow Jesus anymore, but they're worshiping all kinds of gods and all kinds of different things, right? During that seven years, there are a remnant that gets saved. There's a few small remnant that gets saved. But you have this world that is ripe for this Antichrist. And so he opposes and exalts himself above all the gods of the world. And he says there's so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself to be God. In the middle of the tribulation, we're going to see this today, the Antichrist declares himself to be God, and he seeks to get worship from everyone on the earth, and we see that last three and a half years as the whole earth literally goes to hell before Christ comes, which we read about earlier, and delivers his people and destroys his enemies. So he takes his seat in the temple, displaying himself as being God. This Antichrist, this man, is an opposite. He's an Antichrist. He's going to portray himself as, in a sense, the Christ. But he's not. He's not. God took on human flesh. The Lord Jesus took on human flesh. This is a man empowered by Satan, a counterfeit, very fitting for the end and judgment of this world who has rejected Christ. So he takes his place in this temple, displaying himself to be God, and that's when God's judgment gets poured on full. And you can read Revelation. It gets poured on full on this earth. And they were unwilling to repent. Keep reading in there. God's judgment got hotter and hotter and hotter, and worse and worse and worse. They still wouldn't repent. And then notice what Paul says in verse 5 of 2 Thessalonians 2. Do you not remember while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? This is an amazing statement. Paul came to Thessalonica... And he was there three weeks, shared the gospel, they got saved. And during that three weeks, he's sharing this. He's sharing the truth about Christ and the future and what's going to happen. And they were eagerly awaiting Christ, and they believed it. He says, don't you remember? I already told you this stuff, guys. Don't get taken captive by those guys with the false letters and the dumb stuff. Don't For us, don't go on TV and watch those prophecy shows and all that junk on TBN. Read the Bible and examine it. With scripture, scripture with scripture. So he says, basically, don't you remember I told you, don't so quickly get shaken up. Don't be frightened in the midst of all your persecution. You're suffering greatly. The day of the Lord can't come unless these things happen. But stand firm, verse 15, as we're going to see, in Christ and hold firm to the truth that you have already learned. So we come to our passage. Long introduction, but needed. Come to our passage, verse 6. And you know... What restrains him now, so that in his time he may be revealed? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. 
Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring an end by the appearance of his coming, that is, whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power, signs, and false wonders, with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. You came here today. This is a warning as we read through this. And for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence that they might believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. God gives them a chance to believe, but when you reject, he allows you to be deceived, as we're going to see. So then, notice, first of all, the Holy Spirit's restraint, I believe, will be removed when the church is raptured, taken up, that the lawless man will be revealed. That has to happen. That's why it hasn't happened yet. That's why the Antichrist hasn't been revealed yet. There's a restraining influence on the wickedness that would come forth through this man. Verse 6, and you know what restrains him now. He's saying, Thessalonians, you're less than a year old in the faith, and you know this already. You already know this. There's some believers who've been in the faith for years, and they couldn't tell you what this is. In the end of 1 Thessalonians, it says, reason it's all the brethren. We should know the word of God. We should know the word of God, not for pride, but for humility, to humbly serve the Lord in the context of his truth. He says, and you know what restrains him now so that in his time he may be revealed. This is the Antichrist. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Interesting statement. You guys know it already. You know, and this tense in Greek is, now Greek's an interesting language, very vivid. God and his sovereignty brought forth the New Testament in Greek, which is very amazing. Very vivid language. The term you know in Greek is literally this. You knew in the past, done deal, and you still know. You know what restrains him right now, so that he won't be revealed now, but be revealed in his time. That's what he's talking about. He says, you know. Now, he's not saying, you, know, you could parse this too much and think too deeply, which we do at times. He's not saying the man of lawlessness is alive throughout all time and all ages, and he's just restraining, he's eventually going to be revealed. He's not saying that. He's saying the groundwork for the man that will be this man is being restrained right now, but at some point in the future it will be removed and then he'll be revealed. So what does he mean by this phrase, you know what restrains him now? It's in a neuter gender in Greek. It could speak of a person, could speak of a thing, whatever that might be. And this has led lots of people to think, well, what restrains this Antichrist right now? Could it be governments? That's one of the answers. Government restrains him right now. He can't do what he would do. That's possible. Yet I believe, and there's a lot of other interpretations, I believe they fall flat when you actually just read the text and you actually just read on. It's amazing how many people give interpretations and they share it with people. And they say, this is what this means. And the people just take it and they don't read the next verse. We need to read the next verse. And you know what restrains him now so that in his time he may be revealed. For, this is an explanation, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, now it becomes masculine. He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. It's a person that restrains this evil influence, this framework that the Antichrist will be able to flourish in. 
The term restraints means to be held back, to be restrained. The one restraining must have been restraining in Paul's day at that point, right? You know who's restraining, right? And he's going to restrain until the day of the Lord, which has not happened yet even for us. We're going to be taken before that. So it can't be a human being because it's over all that time. It has to be God, as we're going to see. God is the one who is restraining this. But how is he restraining? And how could God be taken out of the way? We know God is omnipresent. Well, I think the answer comes, and it's pretty clear when we think about the context here. Look at verse 7. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. The term taken out of the way could be literally translated until he is from the midst. Sounds like the rapture to me, i tell you right now. Sounds very clear. And they know it already. The Thessalonians, you know already. You already know the Thessalonians. Basically, you know who restrains him. I think it's pretty clear the only possible interpretation that really truly fulfills the scripture here is, I believe, the church. You see, the church is indwelt by the Spirit of God. When you believe in Jesus, this is a mystery that was not revealed before, but now has come forth. When you trust in Jesus Christ, God gives you his very spirit to indwell you forever. And it is a pledge of the very inheritance of the final job and salvation. You receive God in a sense that God's going to finish the job. It's amazing. And he says he will be with you forever. Jesus says, I'm going, but I'm going to send someone a comforter. He's going to be with you forever. And so I believe the church indwelt with the Spirit of God is the only possibility of something, how God could be removed. And it fits exactly in the context here. God is restraining the framework for evil to flourish to the point where the Antichrist could flourish. He's restraining it through the church, through believers on this earth by the Spirit of God. I believe that's what it is. He says, and you know what restrains it. Now, you know, Thessalonians, you know what it is? So that in his time, he may be revealed. You see, in his time, that restraint won't be there. And then he'll be revealed. So Paul also gives a very interesting statement here also. Notice this, verse 6. And you know what restrains him. Now, you know, Thessalonians, it's the church, the spirit of God through the church. So that in his time, he may be revealed. But notice this explanation. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who restrains will do so until he's taken out of the midst, taken away. Do you see that? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Very interesting statement. The term mystery in Greek doesn't mean what we think of mystery. We think of mysterious. The term mystery was a word used that spoke of something that was hidden, that was not revealed. It even spoke of those mystery religions where they had these Truths within them, they weren't truths, they were falsehoods, but there were these things that were not revealed, but only to the initiated in a sense. It's something that's there, but isn't revealed completely yet. He says the mystery, which is unknown to some, is already at work. The literally working, it's working right now. What's lawlessness? Lawlessness is sin. Remember the man here is called the man of lawlessness. And the principle behind this man is already at work. You already know it. Right now, the very wickedness Satan is bringing forth in the world is a very small picture and a foreshadowing of the intense wickedness that will happen when the lawless one is revealed. It's already working. Just watch the news, right? Lawlessness is already at work. 
The underlying spiritual wickedness is already in the world and it's moving towards a point in which restraint is removed that this man could take his place and declare himself to be God and the world would follow him unto their own judgment. That's what he's saying here. It's already at work. So notice we saw this last time also, but everywhere we see this man, this Antichrist being spoken of right next door is his destruction. We saw it in Daniel. We see it in Revelation. God speaks about him, but right next door, you got to know, he's not going to get away with it. And the same thing in our passage. Paul, inspired by the Spirit, interjects this in verse 8, that we would know that what he's talking about, not going to get away with it. Verse 8, and then that lawless one will be revealed. That's when the restraint's removed. Whom the Lord will slay, isn't this great, with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by his appearing of his coming. Hey, lost one's going to come out. It's going to be seven years, three and a half, the last worst part. But when Christ comes, he's going to slam with his breath of his mouth. We'll talk about that and bring it into him. He's not going to get away with anything. Don't freak out about the Antichrist. His very short days are numbered. You see, he will be revealed and he will make a deal to Israel and allow them to start sacrificing, but he won't have full power at that time. In the middle of the tribulation, Satan's going to give him his power. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And he's going to go full force, declare himself to be God, and then he's going to be destroyed when Jesus comes. We read this earlier in Revelation 19. Let's read it. This is what he's talking about. When Jesus comes, he's going to be destroyed. And it's metaphoric, the sword of his mouth. All the Lord has to say the word, and he's done. Remember, everything was created through the Lord Jesus. Light be, and light was. When the Lord Jesus speaks, it happens. Revelation 19, verse 11, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it is called Faithful and True. Amen. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. Jesus came in his first coming not to judge. He said, I didn't come to judge, but to bring salvation. Jesus didn't judge anyone. He brought salvation. But if you reject him in his second coming, he's coming to judge and wage war against those who have rejected him, as we'll see today. And his eyes are a flame of fire, and upon his head are many diadems, and he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and our Savior spilt his blood for us. And his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word came and took on flesh and dwelt among us, John 1. And his name is the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white, clean, were following him on white horses. You see, they didn't even have to do any battle. He's in the front. He's going to do it himself, right? They're following him. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword. This is what our passage is talking about. So that he may smite the nations and he will rule over them with a rod of iron as he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. God is mad at sin. Don't take sin lightly. You think you sit it up? God's mad at it. So mad he sent his son to die for our sins. But he loves us too. He says here, And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe, on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in midheaven, Come assemble for the great supper of God in order that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and slaves, small and great. And I saw the beast. That's the guy. That's the bad guy. I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. 
Going to try to fight the Lord, right? Good, good luck. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast. We're going to see that in a minute. And those who had worshipped the image. And the two were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. The Lord's going to slam with the sword of his mouth. Don't get caught up in thinking Satan's going to get away with anything, that the Antichrist is going to get away with anything, not at all. God is actually going to use him to accomplish his purpose, to allow his judgment to come upon those who rejected Christ. That's what it's about, as we're going to see. Notice, we're going to see the power behind this lawless one and his purpose. Look at verse 9, coming back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. When Christ comes again, the lawless one's dust. And now you have an explanation. That is, speaking of the lawless one, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, with all the deception of wickedness, for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. I told you today, it's a serious message. The Lord has brought you today. This is a serious message. And I don't want one person here who isn't saved to leave here without trusting in Christ. You may think you know Christ. Maybe you're on your deathbed. You may think you know Him, but trust in the Lord. Believe in Him. Get your sins forgiven before it's too late. You don't want to be standing before Him saying, give me water for my tongue. I'm in agony because of this flame. Send someone to tell my brothers about this place. You don't want to be doing that. So here we have an explanation. His coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. The term activity, operative power of Satan. Satan's going to give him all his operative power for those last three and a half years. And notice what precipitates that. Turn to Revelation chapter 12. We talked about this before. We're going to see a scene in heaven. We don't get to see this stuff, but we see it in Scripture. It's amazing. A scene in heaven. And this happens in the middle of the tribulation. That's seven years before Jesus comes, right in the middle. And it precipitates this man getting all of Satan's power. You'll see what happens to cause this to happen. Revelation 12, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels, Michael's the head angel, and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord. And there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. We know initially the dragon, when he fell, Satan fell, he took a third of the angels. And we know he fell to earth, but yet he has access. Job, he comes up, presents himself, accuses the brethren day and night. But that's going to be taken away. Verse 9, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. And they, that's those who were accused, overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even to death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. That would be us if you're a believer. We'll be there at this time. We'll be able to look at each other and remember this day, right? And we'll be praising God for what he's doing because it came true. 
which all will. Woe to the earth and the sea, notice this, because the devil has come down to you having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. This is what precipitates Satan giving this Antichrist all his power. Look at chapter 13. Notice we have the beast introduced here, and that's the part of Revelation. Revelation 12, Satan introduced the relationship to Israel and Jesus. Chapter 13, the beast introduced. Okay, That's the theme of Revelation here. Verse 13, And he stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. That's the beast. And notice he's coming out of the sea. That's a prophetic reality like Daniel shares. He's a Gentile. I think the false prophet's a Jew, but the beast is going to be a Gentile, the Antichrist. He says, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and his heads were blaster stains. Now, going through a lot, don't worry about it. We've talked about it. You can get the CD. It's just talking about that he is basically intricately aligned with Satan and the kingdoms that Satan has had since he became the god of this world after falling. You can look at Revelation 12:3 and then chapter 17 of Revelation. And then notice, he says, and verse 2, and the beast which... I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like a lion. This description mirrors Daniel's prophecy in chapter 7, and it reveals that the final beast is like the four previous kingdoms. Okay, then a second half, verse 2. And the dragon, this is what I want to get to, gave him all his power, his throne, and great authority. This is where the Antichrist gets all of Satan's power, authority, and throne. This is when he declares himself to be God in the temple. This is when all hell literally breaks loose. This is when the man of lawlessness is fully revealed. And keep reading. And I saw one of his heads that could be a kingdom that he did, or it could be him, as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. Evidently, we have him appearing to be slain or, you know, and having a false resurrection. Right? And the whole earth was amazed. And followed after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Worship's just giving them an exaltation, by the way. Who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war with him? And there was given a mouth to him speaking arrogant words and blasphemies. And authority to act for 42 months was given. That's three and a half years. And so here we have, in the middle of the tribulation, the beast is given all Satan's power and authority, and God is going to allow him to have his way for three and a half years so that it will accomplish God's purposes. 